After rehearsal one day, Janelle, a slightly shy and very sweet and gifted student in my advanced choir class, asked if she could speak with me. The choir room is situated in a standalone bungalow-style room on the north end of Manual Arts High School. Manual Arts is not an arts magnet school, as by the name is often confused for when we perform outside of our community. Manual Arts is the second oldest high school in Los Angeles Unified School District and was built in 1910 as a manual labor vocational arts school. Residing in South Central Los Angeles, most of the students at Manual Arts come from a long generation of African-American families in the neighborhood or are children of Mexican or Central American immigrants. Our students come from a tradition of hustle and are often first-generation college applicants. My name is Janelle Thompson. I'm 17 years old. I go to Manual Arts High School and I'm a singer. That day after class, Janelle asked me if she could talk to me about auditioning for music school. I've never had a student of mine audition for music school. My name is Josh Gronland, and I teach choir and music production at Manual Arts High School. I founded the choir program six years ago, and it has changed dramatically since my first day of teaching back in 2016. I started with six Y'all Come Sing choirs, where the counseling staff, who at the time did not know how to support a music program, and they stuffed my classes with 50 students deep with all different kinds of voice types and proportions of genders, most of whom had never taken a vocal music class, nor had any interest in taking a vocal music class. It should be noted that this school has a very high teacher turnover rate, And when I first moved to Los Angeles to take this job back in 2016, one of my first Uber drivers picked me up and could tell that I was a recent transplant. And he asked me if I were an actor. I said, no, I moved here to teach music. He said, where? And I said, manual arts high school. Dude hit the brakes pretty quickly and turned around. He looked at me and he said, you? He laughed and said, good luck, white boy. Yes, I am a white boy and a gay white boy, and can be pretty eccentric sometimes. This brought me some dissonances, as I began to get to know my community within the first year. But after a semester of resistance, I was able to get all 250 students to sing three songs in a winter music presentation, and honestly, myself, them, and the school were hooked. I will never forget the face of my assistant principal when he first heard my students sing. Convinced that they would sound like a group of kids cheering at a football game, his words, he was gobsmacked when he heard three-part harmonies and saw our students standing tall and proud in their makeshift concert black attire. Honestly, one of the proudest days of my life. (laughs) It took some time, but since then we've been able to get incredible community buy-in, student and parent district support, and experience some of the most beautiful moments in my life with these students. However, my Midwestern music education did not prepare me to really give these students the education they deserved. I wanted to give my students an experience that was similar to mine because honestly, it made me the person I am today. 
I did notice, though, that my students already came with a rich musical background, understanding rhythmic idioms of Latin genres better than I could even read standard notation myself, being able to riddle out names of songwriters and producers and the social historical implications of songs within days of them being released. But in my university setting, I was told that pop music did not have a place in the classroom except for end-of-year concerts, that conducting an Eric Whitaker piece, no shade, at American Choral Directors Association was the epitome of a music educator's career, and was given the skills to excel in a white, suburban, middle-class school setting. As I've alluded to, that's not where I've ended up. Since, I've been trying to figure out my purpose at the school I teach at. Truly believing that as a music educator, it is my job to work to create a program that reflects and meets the needs of the community I serve. Sparing the details, I started grad school at the University of Southern California's Thornton School of Music, which has turned my teaching upside down, and we've been working to create a program with the students that is student-centered, that focuses on their social-emotional needs and valuing student autonomy, individuality, and voice and choice in music rather than focusing on exposing them to the breadth of choral music canon. When we began to make this change, our program began to get some recognition around Los Angeles, and student attitudes began to change. The joy in the classroom was palpable. Students really began to take ownership of their music education and felt like they had the agency to support the students around them. Right when this all began to flow downstream, the COVID-19 pandemic hit, and we had to pivot. Before we continue in that slightly dismal, but also transformative topic of pivoting during the COVID-19 pandemic, I want to introduce listeners to two of my very favorite people, two additional students who are in our Manual Arts High School music program. My name is uh, Hector Avila. I currently go to Manuel Arts High School, and I'm here with um, my amazing choir teacher, um, Mr. Gronlund. Yes. Hector, how old are you? I am 18, Hector actually. Hector just turned 18 on Last December week. 3rd. Yes. Correct? Yes. Excellent. And uh, what classes are you taking at Manual Arts um, in the music program? In the music program, I'm currently in the vocal ensemble and the Harmony 2 class. I'm Elizabeth Escobar. I'm 17. Um, I currently go to Manual Arts High School. And as of right now, I'm a vocalist in my choir vocal ensemble. And I also, I'm in your class, music technology. Yes. Uh huh. Yep. So for the listeners, all million, millions of you, there's, yeah. there's, there must be millions. <laughs> we know that. Because we're, we're about to make it big, girl. We're about to make it big. Let's hope. Mm-hmm. Let's crossing crossed. our fingers right, off. exactly start this career of yours off so um the for the listeners they, they might have heard the music technology class called harmony 2 earlier so we'll get we'll get into that a little bit but um i'm really happy you're here with me because i mean through the pandemic and to now i feel like we've had such a an amazing journey of watching your growth and you've always just been you've been such a leader and you've been so positive and then it was just it was such a cool moment when you came to me and you were like mr gronland I want to audition for music schools. So this happened in about September of 2021. This year, we had just been in Zoom school, as I called it, for about a year and a half. And 
I was expecting the students to come back kind of slowly. I was ready to just you know take things slowly, day by day. And these kids were like ready to hit the ground running. They wanted to sing. They wanted to make music. And then first it was Janelle saying she wanted to audition for music schools. And then Elizabeth and then Hector. And I had three students who wanted to audition for music schools. It made me think how much of these pivots and changes we were making as a school music program actually had to do with our students finding their place and developing the skills that made them prepared and desiring to consider music in academia. In addition to changing the structure of our ensembles, we also made some serious changes during the pandemic. For example, taking out our AP Music Theory curriculum, which tends to lean very heavily on Western Eurocentric music, and we made way for two popular music theory-based music production courses. This is what our students are talking about here um, when they're talking about Harmony 2, the second of our two music production courses. It took a pandemic for me to be forced into making music with my students in the electronic medium, and I was stunned to see how well they took to it. Yeah, honestly, at first, like, I was scared, and then afterwards, I kind of, like, took COVID as a, you know, with quarantine and whatnot, I, I kind of was, like, a bit isolated. I'm not even going to lie. I was just on my own, you know, talking to, like, maybe, like, one to two people every other day. Um, you know, I played a lot of, like, video games at school and whatnot, but um, it was a very, like, I don't want to say, I, I, you could use the term like a self-love moment or like mm. a self-care moment. Oh, love those, that sentence. After a, after a while, it got kind of repetitive being in the same like, oh, waking up, doing school, playing video games, talking to one or two people. It was like being in that isolated, like being isolated, being alone. Um, at first, I thought it was pretty cool. But then after a while, it's like, I need to go outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to talk to people. Like When you're so active too, you know, you play soccer. You like you, you have a lot of, in addition to being a musician at the school, you are in so many other activities and you're very active, not just physically, but socially. So I'm sure it was a, yeah. it was a pivot. Yeah, it really was. I was always impressed with, you know, as a teacher during Zoom, it was so difficult to just like wake up and do that every day when I was so used to like, you know, getting the energy back and forth. But there was a handful of students, you being one of them, who were just always really engaged and engaging to talk to on Zoom, cracking Mm -hmm. jokes in the chat, like sending music, (laughs) talking about music, talking about Kanye's new stuff, talking about this and that. And I think that it just, it really made that experience for me a lot better and and that's kind of when our, our Harmony class yes. started up. And Harmony originally, I don't know if I told you this, maybe I told your class this, Harmony was originally created as a prerequisite to our AP Music AP Theory, Theory. Yep. course, right? We, I remember. Our AP Music Theory curriculum that the, the kids were were struggling. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very classically based, and and um, I'm, I, I'll probably get into this that a little bit later in the podcast or earlier or whenever it happens, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but then the pandemic hit, and I was like, okay, well, maybe we can still do music theory, but make it a little bit more about producing music rather than or, or pop music or hip hop or reggaeton or just looking at different. Students were given tools to create their own bass lines, pads, drum loops, and they produced their own music together online during a pandemic. It amazed me. It made me wonder. Why has it taken me so long to facilitate these experiences with my students? Are there university programs preparing their pre-service teachers to foster musical experiences that cater to non-traditional music students in the classroom? 
Are there even academic programs in university music schools that cater to students from non-traditional musical backgrounds, such as Janelle, Hector, and Elizabeth? For the sake of this podcast, using the work of Lucy Green, Brian Powell, and Kirkin, and others, we will identify students from non-traditional musical backgrounds as students who come from experiences focused on improvisation over score study, aural learning over standard notation, and informal musical experiences over formal experiences. From my experience, most of the students who I encountered in music programs throughout my high school and college years were the ones who took weekly voice lessons, who sang out of the 24 Italian Songs and Arias book, and who aspired to study conducting or vocal performance, like myself. The students in my classes are bringing rigorous musical experiences, definitely worthy of further study, and I think a look into their backgrounds might give further insight into what I'm talking about. Janelle and Elizabeth both come from a background of singing in the church. Janelle specifically comes from a gospel background. The way in which singers learn to sing and operate within a gospel ensemble shows an incredible ability to improvise, learn orally, and operate within an informal learning environment. This is demonstrated through modeling and an environment which supports experimentation and musical play, as well as mentorship. Let's listen to Janelle talking about some of her first musical experiences. I started singing in church. I've been singing since I was like five or six. Yeah? Yes. And I have, my mom has videos on Facebook of me singing. I can't stand the videos. But, oh. <laughs> but like if I research, if I search them now, I could find them? I think you have to be her Facebook friend. Oh, okay. Well, I we'll, can show you. We'll change that. We know your mom's trying to get me married. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> She came up to me during the concert and she was like, so Janelle told you, I was like, told me what she's like about my proposal. I'm like, <laughs> stop. I told her, she told me that when I got home, I'm like, why would you do that? She is a doll. Oh my gosh. You, you come from <laughs> such a wonderful family. We, we got off topic. But, okay. Um, but yeah, I've been singing since I was like five or six. I would do solos. And I was singing like, it's like Offering. It's a, mm-hmm. a song that I've been singing since I was a little. Mm. And I feel like that is what started me, like what brought me up. Mm. That specific song? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What about it? Was, was I, it? I sung it every Sunday. Yeah. Every Sunday at Offering all the time. Would you ever change change the way you did it or was it just like kind of ingrained in, in you the way you would do it? Just wake um, up and do now, it. Now because I my voice has grown. Sure has. I can do like a lot of different things on my voice that I couldn't do when I was little. But I still sing it the same way. Mhm. But I, I can love that. yeah. I was going to ask you you I mean you answer my question was that one of the first songs you remember singing was it Offering? Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Now could you sing a bit? I'm not sure if we're able to use it for the podcast because of copyright, but could you like sing like a snippet of it? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, when you give, God'll give it back to you. Press it down, shake it together, run it over. Come on and give, God'll give it back to you. When you give him the best from your heart. Sing. Similarly to Janelle, Elizabeth had her first experience singing in front of other people 
at a church. And she painted this beautiful picture of her family and her church, uh, creating this safe space for her, which made her feel comfortable to just experiment and to sing. And her cousin actually plays piano, and they had their first performance together. Take a listen. It was only my cousin and I. My cousin would play his piano. Aww. We would go through the song together, and like, I would sing it out, he would play, and then like I would get used to like the melody and everything. And... I kind of feel like I didn't, I wasn't super scared only because like my family is really like supportive of what I do. Like mm. they always kind of compliment me when I do something like that. And my mom would always tell me like, when you're doing it for God, like there's nothing that can stop you, you know? Familial support in the arts has been crucial for all three of these students to feel secure in making their musical journey a priority. Home life is also where a lot of these students experience exposure, but also mentorship in honing their craft. Lucy Green, in her book, How Popular Musicians Learn, discusses the important differences between popular and classical musicians and their musical upbringing. In chapter three, she explains that listening to recordings and copying are actually very common ways popular musicians gain exposure to idioms and mechanics of singing and playing in specific genres. Another way Green describes popular musicians' ability to learn is through the important process of group and peer-directed learning. I grew up fortunate in having a twin brother who is an amazing singer, but also played many different instruments. We were competitive. <laughs> and Blake Ronland, I'm not sure if you're listening, but if you are, I just wanted to remind you of that one time in Wald Lake Western High School's 2009 premiere production of Les Miserables, where... Both you and I were called back for the lead role of Jean Valjean, but because of my show-stopping performance of Bring Him Home during the callbacks, I was given the role. And it doesn't really matter because it was over 10 years ago, and the next semester you got all of the good songs. Although often our egos would get involved, we learned how to harmonize together, singing musical theater songs, and he taught me how to play my first chords on piano and arrange my first songs. Janelle shared with me that her older sister was instrumental <laughs> in Janelle learning how to riff and develop technique. Her sister, also a singer, would listen to recordings, and Janelle would sing back to her and play around singing songs of different artists they would enjoy. I'm like the the main singer. Mm -hmm. and, like, and they're all your backups. Yeah, like growing up with a sister who sings, like she would be like, come on, let's sing something. And she's not there anymore because she's older, <laughs> but... It felt good to have somebody else who can sing, who can help me. She sings. She's older than me, so she knows like different, like different techniques. And she helped me. Like she taught me a lot with singing. What did it look like when she would help you? Would she like? Would she give you feedback? Yeah, we yeah. would sit down. We would probably like listen to another recording of somebody like on YouTube, and we would just practice until we got it. That's great. So yeah. just like kind of imitating and mimicking yeah. and lis listening. Yeah. And then like a lot of times she would like do a run and be like, see if you can do it. Mm. I would do it and I will do it. And I'll be like, see if you can do that. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, give me a, can you give me an example of a run? Um, yeah. So she would be like, uh, oh, and then I would be like, Oh, oh sing. <laughs> we would just go back and forth and it was like it would be really nice I love that mm -hmm. yeah would your parents or mom ever get like annoyed all the time yeah I'm so loud <laughs> so loud every single day she gets so mad it's like 
she was like, oh, you can sing, but be quiet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like be quiet. I sing all the time. My mom would say the same thing to my brother. You know, I have a twin brother, and mm-hmm. he also sings, and he yeah. is just like, he's the talented one. <laughs> and we're both really loud, like very loud. And my mom, like, she always says, oh my gosh, I miss you boys being home. And then we come home for Christmas. She right. goes, oh, can you leave? Because we're just always singing. And right. My brother is so loud. But I think having that, having a sibling who you can do that with and just like go back and forth with and I mean, learn how to harmonize, learn just to have someone to, to feel safe. I want to remind with. listeners that all three of these students and honestly, most of the students I encounter are first generation college applicants. Many of my students don't have the privilege of familial support in the college application process, let alone the privilege of considering the option of going to college for music. If they go to school, understandably, students' families, communities are encouraging them to take logical and safe routes like education or business or something in the medical field. As their teacher, I think it's important to talk to students about their goals and push them to meet deadlines to learn to hold themselves accountable. I also have to strike a balance between encouraging them to, you know, live their dreams, but also being honest. I think I would be doing the students a disservice by saying, oh my God, yes, go be a pop star. You got this. But without supporting with honesty and the tools to make that realistic. Before encouraging students to apply to programs, I wanted them to assess their own interest and musical identity as it relates to their goals. Before diving headfirst into this process, as I did my own research, I asked my students to consider their goals and do some individual research to come to me with questions. Oh, and then another thing. What is the difference between a a BA and a BM? Great question. I don't know, Hector. Um, Badass and bowel movement. That's what we said. If any listeners can help me out, send an email. Thank you. My understanding... Uh-huh. is that the, a Bachelor of Arts is um, the less rigorous version of a music degree. So it's more, it's, I would say, less rigorous in terms of the, the music content. A little, le- like, less music theory requirements. Mm-hmm. It's a little more broad, though. Gives you opportunities to take classes like, like business-type classes that would be related to music, take classes in arts leadership, take classes in, like, music in the world, music uh, history, whereas Bachelor of Music is, like, very much, like... Strictly music. Let's talk theory, kind of the, the nitty gritty of like music history, music theory, performing. And so like your degree is really focused on music. There are certain requirements you have to take. With all this being said, I think Hector summed it up really beautifully when he said. The way that I see it is it doesn't really matter where you're going as long as if you know where you're going to go, you're going to be able to do well. And you put in the work and you do the best that you can. I think that's all that really matters. But I feel Thank you, that, me to church. <laughs> Amen. I feel that as well as like, you know, you look at all these popular artists. Thank you, Hector, for that wisdom. I think that's a great thing to consider as we close out with our last topic. California University Programs of Music. Where the heck are these students going to audition? Are there even programs that make sense with their interests, skills, and goals? Being a graduate student myself at the University of Southern California's Thornton School of Music, I am aware of their incredible popular music performance bachelor's degree, which is the pioneer program in the nation. But are there others? I decided to research 12 California universities, two privates, four UCs, and six Cal States, where I would look into programs that offered popular music performance programs, specifically contemporary vocal music studies, as well as music production. 
For the sake of this podcast, I'm not considering jazz studies popular music performance. Additionally, I'm interested to see if any of the schools that offer Bachelor of Music and Music Education offer classes to their pre-service teachers that might support them in fostering an environment of popular music performance. I'm going to call these popular music methods courses. Looking back at the original issue I spoke about, due to my undergraduate studies, I believe that I was unprepared to give my students the education that they were hungry for. I was quite pleased to report back that there are a handful of schools who are pioneering some really progressive work in this area. All right. Stanford and the University of Southern California were the two privates, each representing different geographical locations. Representing schools in the University of California system, or the UCs, are UCLA, UC Irvine, UC Berkeley, and UC Santa Barbara. The six schools representing the California State Universities, or the Cal States, are Cal State Dominguez Hills, Cal State Long Beach, Cal State LA, San Diego State, Cal State Northridge, and Cal State Fullerton. Now, I completely understand there are handfuls of more schools and even more with notable music programs. I hope you can forgive that I'm a busy grad student who's also teaching full-time. I chose these programs through my own research and word of mouth, and I am very pleased with the variants except for the fact that I've noticed there is a lack of Northern California Cal States in the mix. But if you are interested in learning about more programs, I encourage you to go to the website www.google.com and send me any of your results. My email is joshuagronland at gmail.com. Of the 12 schools, University of Southern California, Cal State LA, San Diego State University, and Cal State Northridge all offer some form of a degree program with an emphasis in music production. Now, University of Southern California, UCLA, Cal State LA, Cal State Long Beach, Cal State Dominguez Hills, and Cal State Northridge all offer some form of a popular music methods course for their pre-service music education teachers. This can look like a songwriting class, music technology, music production, or even an opportunity to perform in their non-traditional ensembles. It should be noted that although the University of Southern California's Thornton School of Music has some of the most robust offerings for popular music education methods courses for pre-service teachers, they do not currently have an undergraduate degree program in music education, nor do they offer any kind of credentialing program for their graduate students. Lastly, I would like to shout out Cal State Long Beach's Bob Cole Conservatory of Music. Through my research, I was able to find that they have this thing called the Specialized Music Education Pathway. And if you research this on their website, it says here, In addition to our traditional music education program, we offer a pathway for a select group of musicians with unique performance skills who desire to become music teachers. Graduates will be prepared to teach traditional band orchestra choir and alternative ensembles, examples, popular music, mariachi, music technology, etc. I love that. I have to say, I was very impressed with the results I found. When I was auditioning for music schools, I did not have any of these options. And maybe my career might look a little different if I was prepared in a different way. Now let's check back in with Hector, Janelle, and Elizabeth. Because they have some information, and I think it's time for them to make some decisions about programs that they would like to audition for. The avenues that you were considering was um, looking at some college programs. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, how has that process been going for you? Um, it's I haven't really like 
been putting my all into it how I feel like I should. Okay. We love honesty. And I'm going to. I am. I applied to um, the one that you told me about, Cal State Dominguez Hills, mm-hmm. their music program. I love the presentation. I felt like I've, I I really liked it. So mm-hmm. I applied there. And the process, it was easy. I just have to, you know, wait to hear back from them. Well, so far, I have Casa de Le for commercial music. This is Elizabeth, by the way. And for Casa de Dominguez Hills, contemporary music. And so both of those require a live audition. Mm-hmm. Um, Dominguez Hills has two contrasting pieces. And I'm going to just put you on blast for a second, because when I asked this wonderful young <laughs> scholar for audition material, she sends me so many different genres of heartbreak songs. <laughs> All She sent me a R&B heartbreak song. She sent me a two Spanish songs about heartbreak, which were both ballads, and then some pop, you know, some Adele heartbreak songs. I'm like, girl, who hurt you? <laughs> so, you know, right now we're trying to talk. And lastly, of course, Hector, who's uh, thinking about taking a little bit of a different route. So right now I've applied to the music pro- program in uh, Northridge for music production. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wanted to, you know, to see what, what that was like, and hopefully, you know, if I get accepted, look into it a bit more and see, you know, if it's something that I wanted to go, you know, furthermore into. Um, You know, something that we talked about was, you know, the fact that it's like music is such like a diverse and like very new, you know, in in terms of music production, it's a very new um, major as well as like- academic field. Yeah, it's a new academic field. Uh, And it's like- In comparison to, you know, maybe a, a, a- Something more Bachelor traditional. Music in classical music. Exactly. So it's like, it's a little risky, you know? And, and I mean, I'm all for taking risks, but it's like, there's certain things that, you know, it's very brand new and it's very new. So with a lot of more like research, you know, I, I feel like I'd feel a bit more better, but I decided to, you know, take the risk and apply. And they already sent me everything um, for the auditions and oh, wow. whatnot. Oh, that's great. Yes, they sent, I forgot to, to update you. They sent me an email. They're like, so create your portal this is what you need for the auditions and whatnot so i'm gonna get a go ahead and take a look at that um over this break that we have coming up and then try and start getting together some songs and get some work uh i'm so proud to be these students teachers as janelle elizabeth and hector get to work on their audition materials i urge any colleague in the field currently to consider what are you doing to either foster or hinder changes in our field. Let me turn to Clarence Byrne, the music educator at the historic Cass Tech High School in Detroit, Michigan, who, at the 1926 National Association for Music Educators Conference, addressed his colleagues by saying, Let me go on the record as utterly opposed to this un-American attitude of many American school music teachers. Let me urge you all to study the musical needs and demands of our coming citizens before condemning them. I will be the first to say that when I began teaching and a student asked me if we could do a Nipsey Hussle song in his beginning choral class, I said, no, absolutely not. That's not choral music. But why not? Maybe rather than shutting it down, I could have shamefully done a little Google search to figure who Nipsey was, rest in peace, and I could have snagged an opportunity to better connect with my students. Teachers, these students have so much untapped potential to bring so much beauty 
into this world through music. Making like if I was to make my own music, not worrying. Manifest that. Manifest yeah, that. When I make my own music. When I make my own music. Yes. Like I just want to be able to express myself musically, vocally. I know I have like that potential to do that. You know. Yeah. I know. <laughs>